This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Freeze Ray needs work. I also need to be a little bit more careful about what I say on this blog. Apparently, the LAPD and Captain Hammer are among our viewers. They were waiting for me at the mayor's dedication of the superhero memorial bridge. The freeze ray takes a few seconds to warm up, and I wasn't. Captain Hammer threw a car at my head. You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean. I'm sitting here with Brooks and Greg. Hey, everybody. Hey, how's it going? And man, do we have a lot to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. We do. And this is not another chaotic jumble where we didn't have a topic. We really have a lot of different talking points that that there's no central theme, but I want a lot of different things I think we should talk about. Yeah, first of all, uh, Miley Cyrus. Huh? Huh? Yeah, hey, hey, Jonas Brothers. I I say that, that. Jonas Brothers. Awesome. Is any of this, like, English at all? It sounds like you guys, like... It's Billy Ray Cyrus' kid. And she, when the and signal has gone out and you start plays. to saying gibberish to Walmart, before you kill Sean? everybody. Have you ever been to Walmart? I have been to Walmart. I do not go to Walmart now. Miley Cyrus is the new Lizzie McGuire. Oh, well, there you go. You've never seen <laughs> a picture of Hannah Montana on a t-shirt or a poster or something? I guess I've seen the posters for that Hannah well, Montana. Well, that's her. Didn't, they, didn't anyway, they make a movie? She's got some new pop album out or something, and they're just yakking about it in all these entertainment shows. I'm completely out of the loop, though. It's like, you haven't heard of Monkey Smile Jamboree? <laughs> what? You haven't? No, I don't know what that is. How in the world do we get talking about this? Yeah, this is this wasn't one of my talking points. Yeah, I was just being stupid. Let's get to the I real I don't even know points. what this stuff is. Let's start with Dr. Horrible, because that's a is short that like one. Them, is that like them iPods? Is that one of them iPod them shows? IPods. Go to um, Dr. Horrible. iPods. We say on our podcast, like, like I don't know anything. <laughs> is that one of them iPod shows? What you use to talk on the internets with? <laughs> on the internets? In- interwebs. So, Dr. Horrible. Yeah, Dr. Horrible was yeah. our first talking point in the, probably the worst segue, even for this show, that we've ever <laughs> done. I remember when Greg first mentioned this to me. We were talking about like some upcoming projects that Fillion was attached to. And this was not in our Fillion episode. This was like an episode or two before. We're talking about Joss Whedon. And you stuff. mentioned that, and I was like, that sounds awful. I thought it was literally like some kind of blog. And I'm like, why are these guys making a blog? This sounds stupid. Like, these guys are famous. They don't need a blog. Blogs are for idiots like me. But I, I am an idiot because it's, that's not – that's just the, the silliness of the name. But it's actually a fully produced little little movie they've made. It's like 40-minute something. Three acts. A musical. Well, that's what appeals to me, especially. Joss Whedon's got an act for them musicals, I think. Everyone's a hero in their own way. Everyone's got villains they must face. They're not as cool as mine. But folks, you know it's fine to know your place. Everyone's a hero in their own way. In their own, not that heroic way. But I was also very impressed with Neil Patrick Harris in it. I'm telling you, that dude's the funniest guy in Hollywood right now. I mean, he he really is funny. It's not about 
about making money. It's about taking money, destroying the status quo, because the status is not quo. The world is a mess, and I just need to rule it. And more importantly, the freeze ray is almost up. This is the one. Stops time. Freeze ray. Tell your friends. I feel bad. I only saw the first one, but I thought it was really charming. Now, I'm sorry we didn't get on top of this because by the, this will probably – the dust will have settled in this by the time it's airs. But apparently, as as a nod to the fans, Whedon made this available for free when it first came out. I don't know if they're available now on iTunes. I know you, they were – I actually bought them. They were available for sale through iTunes, and I bought all the episodes. How much are they? They're like any other TV show on iTunes, like two, two bucks an episode or $4 for a season pass. Well, that's not so bad. So I guess the plan is to eventually put it on DVD. Is that? I was reading the, the Doctor Horrible does have a MySpace, and it's like MySpace.com slash Wonderflonium. <laughs> so it's not easy to stumble on, I guess. Yeah, that's not easy to spell. But yeah, exactly, yeah, we still don't know how to get there, Sean. The concept of making this was they wanted to make something that was decent, specifically for the internet. And it's almost in it, it almost in response to the writer's strike with all these people, you know, clamoring about money and all this. He's actually said, "Well, let's show people what we can make for almost nothing, and send a love note to the fans instead of a big screw you." And that way, he made it free at first, and then even though even the price to buy on iTunes is the standard price, and it's nothing six bucks for the whole thing. I bought it right away. You know, because you want to support it, because that's the idea, too. He's trying to start something. I didn't understand any of that. I didn't understand that it was actually going to be a musical. I would have been more excited, because I, I'm a big fan of the musical episode they did of Buffy. And I think, you know, the, the idea of Joss Whedon making musicals, is I'm, I'm with that. I'm on board. It's a brand new day. Yeah, the sun is high. All the angels sing. Because you're gonna die. Go ahead and laugh. Yeah, I'm a funny guy Tell everyone goodbye It's a brand new day Here's Nathan Fillion's MySpace page. Yes, I am aware of this. I actually <laughs> sent Fillion a message on his MySpace to let him know that we had plugged him. Oh, did you send him a link? I told him it was, you know, tv8mydinner.com. Oh, Man, you should have a link, so just click on it. I don't want him to just see this episode. I want him. I want to expose people to the to the awesome hotness. I want him to see the world of TV ate my dinner. That's oh. me. That's me thinking. I'm opening markets. I'm opening doors. Yeah, but see, you, you need to give him a little bit of an entry drug. It's irrelevant. That's. I'm sure if I were Nathan Fillion and I had a MySpace, I wouldn't have time to check the messages anyway. Well, I'm sure he gets about. So, bazillion yeah, he has like forty-five thousand MySpace friends. You know, his inbox is full. <laughs> but I just thought it's a matter of course we do that on this show when we plug you we let you know and if you get the chance you get a private message it's not a posting it's not a promotion for ourselves only only Fillion will see it if he does so it's just a courtesy to say you know we think you're awesome if you get a chance and you want to see how awesome here we are you know we've been talking for a while about how we thought that direct to DVD was a market that's not being tapped really and this is what they're doing. They're doing the same kind of thing where they're doing direct to the internet and then they sell a DVD. So it would be it, fun it to see if that takes off. All that much to produce these things. So 
but it's not nothing either. Like it's got yeah. special effects. It's got real actors. He's doing what we were talking about during the writer strike. You know that that's the untapped avenue of the internet. Because the the girl that is in Doctor Horrible, Felicia Day, also has an internet TV series that she writes and produces called The oh, really? Guild. I and did not know that. Check called, it out if you get a chance. You can go to what? YouTube and just The Guild. Mm-hmm. It's all about like online like gamers. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? and and oh, it's pretty it's pretty cute. If you get a, you can just go to YouTube and write The Guild and like there's like ten episodes of this thing now, and I and I've watched all of them. They're they're like you know. Man, I want to say like four minutes. I'm trying. Like this, it's our job to to try to to get people into the new stuff, the new hotness. I think Whedon's the one with his real finger on the pulse because he's like trying to start things. But but yeah, I want to see stuff like that take off because apparently she was developing the guild as a TV pilot, and either that fell through or they just decided that it was easier to to put it out on the internet, and it's really successful. So I'm a, I'm a Felicia Day fan at this point now too. <laughs> while I was doing while I was YouTubing, I also ran into something else funny. If you get a chance to see, it's it's two hot girls in the shower. Sounds hilarious. <laughs> well, it's well it is because it's like a little question answer thing where they have like an an email called ask two hot girls at gmail dot com, and you send them just stupid questions and then they do little funny answers and. It's just kind of a way to get people on YouTube Are to they notice in they're the there. Shower when they answer the question. Well, it's like from the shoulders up, two girls like in their mm. in a shower, but it's it's cheeky, it's it's cheekiness. It's not to be, it's not sexual. Dear two hot girls in the shower, how come manhole covers are in the street? Shouldn't they really be called street hole covers? Signed, confused in Philadelphia. Good question, but no. Manhole covers are called that because they cover up the men that are in the street. Just like you wouldn't call a gopher hole a lawn hole, you call it a gopher hole because there's a gopher inside it. Exactly, just like a whale has a blowhole. No, you don't get it. Yes, I do. You need a loophole. Cubby hole. Pothole. Penholder hole. What is a penholder hole? Butthole. So like all, all the little prepubescent boys are asking two hot girls these questions. And well, I think the joke of it that I find interesting is when you're out like do it YouTubing and you see something that says two hot girls in the shower and click it. <laughs> so essentially, we're saying that Doctor Horrible turned out to be pretty good, and we shouldn't have judged it. We should not have. Well, that's definitely it. a retraction on my part, and I felt bad because to as a knee jerk reaction to have just said based on the name that sounds stupid. So I feel stupid. I, should I guess we should have recognized more. that it was uh, supposed to be funny. I guess, you know, I should have had more faith that it was Joss Whedon. I should have realized there was something to it. Well, I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, you know, because it was Joss Whedon. I mean, it did sound weird. Um, but, you know, I, you know, it was Joss Whedon. How bad could it be? Well, that was a failing <laughs> of character on my part then. So I apologize to Joss Whedon and, and the world for that. Because Doctor Horrible is is very good. I was I was really you know into it. Like they got the song. I actually have the songs in my head. Like it's catchy to me and stuff. And I got really into the story of it. 
I think Neil Patrick Harris on every level. I'm telling you, Neil Patrick Harris, man, he's funny. You guys, I keep telling you to go watch that show, How I Met Your Mother, that he's in right now on CBS. Everybody I, says that's funny. I just is. don't watch sitcoms. Well, I but, just don't you know, watch sitcoms. Suck it up and watch one sitcom. It's very good. Well, when does it come on? It's actually on, well, it has been on Monday nights at about 9.30. So, well, I'm kind of busy on Monday it. nights, Craig. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I like how you're chastising me for what. What is it on? Right now. <laughs> we record the show on Monday well, nights. You got a DVR, don't, don't you? I don't DVR and I don't TiVo. I don't, don't want to have a DVR. I know either. for a guy who has a nerd podcast about movies and TV, it's weird for me to take this stand <laughs> for me to say, but I do feel like. There's a line that I don't want to cross, and it is the line of recording TV uh, to watch it. I don't later. know what I'd do without it. I wouldn't watch anything if I couldn't do that. Well, that's I don't end up watching things because the few shows that I like, if they're not on demand, I just plain miss them. Catch them on DVD later. Well, that is that is really where it's at on that. And that's where I think Dr. Horrible has the market too because by the time that DVD comes out, guys like me who already bought it on iTunes will buy it again. And the people who never heard of it, you know, will have either heard of it from the this little internet buzz that it's got, or they'll be out there going, hmm, uh, Joss Whedon something. I think it's going to be interesting. Just, I'd like to know how much money they are going to make, because you can tell by the production value that it probably was made for next to nothing. I mean... He said in, in his comments, though, the whole point was to make it as cheaply as possible, to show people that you could do something good without spending a ton of money on it. Because that was, I guess, the whole thing with the writer's strike. That's what we've been saying. It's like start putting more effort into making quality product and less effort into just making the most money you can. But I thought that was cool. Speaking of making money, now we're gonna. I'm a, I want to come back with a better segue this time. Dark Knight. Dark Knight made all the money. I'm genuinely surprised at how big a movie this is. I'm like, surprised I, that it be turned up this big because Batman Begins did it wasn't this big by a, yeah, by a long shot. It wasn't this big? Well, it's, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one wasn't that big initially until it caught on. But you know, this is but the, the second Pirates movie was was huge. That analogy holds because that's exactly what happened. I mean, this thing. I mean, I'm looking at DW.com and they covered it. And first of all, just the weekend gross, and this is a three-day weekend, not that nonsense that they've been doing where it opens on a Tuesday or whatever. This is like just Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend. This is $155 million. That used to be the total take of a huge movie. Yeah, the last time, the last big movie that did that was Spider-Man 3, and it was $151 million. So it blew that record out. It also had the best opening day and single day. So it beat Spider-Man 3 again, which had 59.8 million with 66.4 million single day. Also had the most money from Friday night shows of any release ever, which is 18.5 million beating Star Wars 3, which was 16.9. I wonder if these things are adjusted for inflation at all. They're adjusted for inflation, I would think, and then well, yeah, they they do because I think, uh, you know, they still like compare the original Star Wars and all that sort of thing, and uh, they compare things to Gone's Gone with the Winds opening sometimes. Right, right. Uh, Plus, yeah. there hasn't been that much inflation between Spider-Man three and now, even no, Star Wars three. I just meant from the the movies from like Titanic kind of movies and things that, hmm. or or Star Wars and Jaws. I'd be like curious that. to know that for sure. I think they do. But I don't know that for certain. Well, what it would be in adjusted dollars, I guess. 
Even uh, the one it, thing it made the most about. money of, of an IMAX release. You know, even that, even that though, is not a good <laughs> yeah. comparison because nowadays, when a big like a movie this big comes out, they put it on you know thousands of screens. Like the movie theater that Brooks and I saw it at had it on what six screens. Me too, oh, yeah, and, and it, it did. And that's another day. that's another like record that it broke. Every five minutes, they had a show. Four four thousand three hundred sixty six screens that it played on, or locations actually. I don't even know. One thing I'd screens. like to talk about. And we can discuss the movie beforehand, but I I really do think that a large part of its success is unfortunately due to the the passing of of Heath Ledger. I really think that's a big, big, big part of it. Well, the, I don't know how big, but it, it definitely contributed. There's no doubt that this is a little bit of the crow effect. Oh, absolutely. And, oh, and sure. we predicted this. If he was terrible, though, I don't think it would have been a big thing for him. But he's really good in the movie, and I think you know that's going to draw people even even more. Yeah, I think it. I think it probably would have. I thought it probably did draw some people who probably wouldn't have come out like opening week, you know, sure. to, to see it. Uh, I mean, I guess the good part about it is that Heath Ledger really delivered. I mean, it, it was a really mm-hmm. magnificent performance. I thought. What I was gonna say is, <laughs> I want to go ahead and say I don't. I don't watch Entertainment Tonight and shows like that, but I do watch the. Evening you know who news. Hannah Montana is. Don't well, I watch the evening news, and when it goes off, that's when. That's the just opening. because he's a fan tease wheel for entertainment tonight comes on and that's when i see what they're going to talk about during the show and then i come down here and do whatever you know but yeah uh-huh. okay. but for like a good three three weeks solid every episode was heath ledger's performance as the joker oscar worthy people are talking this that and the other and this is before the movie came out i really think that that is a large segment of the audience are people that probably aren't batman fans but we're curious about all this buzz about Heath Ledger, this and that. There, there, or they could just be Heath Ledger fans, you know. I don't think there's it any doubt in that. It would have come to it, in it even if he hadn't died. But I really think that generated a huge amount of buzz because right after he died, they they would slowly release pictures of him as the Joker, you know, a scene with him doing this or that. They've kept it alive this whole well, time. Well, I mean, the well, and I the marketing machine would have been flat for stupid that buzz, not to. You know, get some mileage. It wouldn't out have of. been this big. It would have been a big movie. Mm-hmm. It'd been up there with Iron Man and stuff, but it wouldn't have been this huge cultural thing, I think. And I think that's unfortunate. You've changed things. Forever. There's no going back. See, to them, you're just a freak. Like me. Let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> I don't know. I think I I would I would say that the test of that, and this is a conversation I was having with my brother, because we were talking about how all these big movie openings and a big opening is a big deal. There's no one saying it's not, but it it's not the make or break of a movie. What makes or breaks a movie is retention. Well, I think it it will retain people because it's good, but I think what brought the initial people in was was sure that unfortunate. But I think if the retention is there, you can say that that is due to the the quality of the movie. Oh yeah, it's a quality film, and it it probably even if it hadn't opened that big, it would have gotten big. Because of word of mouth, I think. But people were so talking good. big about The Dark Knight before Heath Ledger died as well. And I think, you know, obviously there's no denying that that, that contributes to it. I mean, I think really that, that, weirdly enough, it has made Dark Knight more of a date movie than it would have been. 
because you have more women curious about watching The Dark Knight than would have been. There are those ladies out there that are just Heath Ledger fans, and this was his last performance, and they probably wanted to see that. So I, I could probably, mm-hmm. you know, buy that. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think it would have, like Brooks said, if you know, it, had it not been for the Heath Ledger thing, it may not have, you know, been a record breaker like it like it turned out being. But I definitely think it, it's going to be you know, the blockbuster of the summer because in a, just, in a summer full of blockbusters, you know, in a summer full of big movies, all the heavy hitters have come to play. Now there's not another big opening coming. So Batman has the better chance of retaining than any of the other big movies. That was the gamble that Hellboy did. Hellboy knew they were going to get blown away by Batman, but they just, they bargained on it and said, well, at least we'll have one weekend before Batman rather than always competing with Batman. I'm like still going to see Hell, Hellboy. Oh, I will. And that's why I think their retention may end up ultimately being better because there are people like me who haven't had a chance to go see it yet because yeah. there's too many big things going on, too many big openings, and you know, I didn't get out that one weekend to see Hellboy. But I will get out. You know, when Batman came out, I was like, well, let's go see Hellboy because you know we'll get to see Batman. But, of course, we went to see Batman. Yeah, because <laughs> Hellboy will still be there, but you know we'll go see he- we'll see Hellboy. So their their numbers may bounce back a little bit. And you can't not see Batman like. But I'm I'm pretty pleased with the whole thing. Batman Begins, according to this article, also made a total domestic gross of two hundred five million dollars. It's funny because it drew a lot of comparisons with all the random people I talked to about it to the god awful Tim Burton Batman that people still like for some reason i would i and won't call like, that god awful you know if, yeah, it weren't for Tim Burt, if it weren't for that batman this batman wouldn't have happened i don't know if that's necessarily batman true. was no, languishing I, uh, in, in campy that. hell you know bat, that movie was visionary for the time that it came out it's just silly now if you watch well it. we were talking about that on the way after the movie is uh, after this movie is like you know, do you remember when the first batman came out the tim burton batman we talked about how dark it was I mean, yeah, think- and and we were so glad that it was that dark. And now you watch it and you're like, this is like a kid's TV show. It's like a cartoon. Now. But this is the darkest movie I've ever seen for a superhero movie. This is darker than I have ever imagined you could make a superhero movie. And it's also the first one where the 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 superhero is not the titular character. They actually, I mean, he is because he is the Dark Knight, but they actually didn't even put Batman in the title. That's a first. Like that, they knew going in that you knew what the Dark Knight was, or that if you didn't, you were going to by the time the movie came out. And I don't know if it weren't for Tim Burton, I still say that that led the way. I mean, that was twenty years ago. It's was hard it? to imagine that. Well, Yikes. nineteen. It was nineteen eighty nine that movie Man. came out. Yikes. We've come a long way. That was one. That was one of two good superhero movies ever made when it came out. They were languishing. Now, I mean, this is a renaissance of comic book and superhero movies. You know what I saw the trailer for that you may have as well? Watchmen. Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. yeah. And damned if that doesn't look like an awesome movie. It looks pretty cool. It looks, and it looks by the book. And what I've read about it, it's very close to the book. I'm curious And the fact that the guy it. who did 300 is doing it is, is good to me because he went out of his way well, to adapt What's awesome about a Watchmen movie being made is that, you know, Probably most people who don't read comic books don't know what Watchmen is. But, you know, here we are with this movie that's, you know, looks like it's got some serious production value to it. Looks like it's going to be pretty well made. 
you know, based on a comic book that probably most people don't don't really know what it is. That's well, that's that's why I support well this. Alan reason. Alan Moore did not, you know, he never wants his stuff made into movies because he doesn't think he didn't create them with movies in mind. And if you notice, it's true on this one too. If you see an adaptation, it always is based on the graphic novel illustrated by. It never it never credits him as the writer. And I I, won't, I believe that's him. I believe that's that's his choice because he doesn't endorse any of these these film projects. I think they're really good a lot of the time. I thought V for Vendetta was pretty good. I don't know about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I didn't actually much like that comic either, so it didn't matter. God help us all. pivotal comic book if the if you want mainstream audiences to know this story which they should know because it's it's like a pivotal superhero story then you got to put it in in a form that they're going to see and that's movies like I, if this movie does its best to to adapt the comic into a movie format then i think that's good and it will probably get people to read the book and that's uh, something you should want. I respect Alan Moore. I understand where he's coming from on that. But I'm I'm glad that they're finally and – and that's what I think when I see this trailer for the Watchmen movie. I think finally because it's like the one that, you know, in a lot of ways it started a lot of conventions. This is, this is the time. I, when I was a kid, the two major comics that turned it all around for me besides the, the Swamp Thing comic a few years earlier, which was also Alan Moore. But the two major comics that I read that really blew me away about comics were Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns. And basically, the, the movies coming out now are honoring both of those. Like, The Dark Knight is their ode to Dark Knight Returns, you know, the, to that kind of story, that kind of Batman. And then, you know, obviously making a Watchmen movie is finally coming back around and saying, you know, the most celebrated graphic novel of all time. That's the tagline that they put on the trailer. Because graphic novels are considered legitimate now. Did you see the trailer for The Day the Earth Stood Still? Oh, yeah. I, I saw it. I was perplexed by that. I have to I'm, say I'm intrigued, though. I like mean, they I, changed I, the story. I am intrigued, much. but I hope that they're, that they're advertising wrong because they're making it look like an alien invasion movie. And yeah, if it is, then like it's not The Day the, the Earth Stood completely. Still. Right. The Day the Earth Stood Still is like the greatest science fiction film of all time. If you're going to remake it, that's fine. I've always thought it was it was ripe for remake because you want that story to be communicated to new audiences. But they're making it. They get show all these images of like the spaceship coming down and it's like tearing trucks to pieces and all this stuff. And and of course, no robots because you can never have robots in science fiction anymore. That's not cool somehow. Like a, a spaceship, of course, everyone believes in spaceships. That's just common sense. But robots, that's stupid. What is this, a fairy tale? Of course, Canoe flies a giant globe-shaped spaceship that comes out of the ocean and can obliterate the Earth. 
But if he had a robot, that would be stupid. That challenges my suspension of disbelief. I can't accept that. Right on. <laughs> it just looks like it changed the tone into something a little too dark. And, yeah. And, and take away the original point of the original movie completely. Like all they're really using is the title. The original movie was so was so poignant because what's scary and what's dark, it's not lighthearted at all, but what's dark in it was the way the human beings behave. When uh, Klaatu comes down, he's actually here to help us out. Well, we don't know that that's not going to be the, the situation in this well, one. But it shows the ship destroying things. Well, but you which know, would, I mean... Of, well, naturally, you're going to think they're bad news if they're disintegrating buildings, which Well, who knows what the, what the unless trailer is. Unless that's a dream is. sequence yeah. or something. Yeah, unless the, that's some kind of special effect sequence to indicate that he's just freezing them or something lame. That, I'm, yeah, I'm really I mean, concerned about that. It could, it could be something that. like that because, I mean, you know, in the in the original, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Klaatu did use those types of methods. You know, he would, you know, didn't he disintegrate a couple of tanks or something and let them know that he was serious? What is that? Well, Gort did. See the, yeah. the the see the thing the robot Gort is when what makes it interesting is also the other level of that is he's benevolent but they've in order to keep the peace they've almost they've created this fascist regime of robots that polices them and they can't ever break the rules of the robots will decimate them and they have no control over the robots what's cool about it and why it's good science fiction is the story is every bit as relevant today if not more than it was then, because the whole idea in in the day that there's still he's just trying to get everybody on the phone. <laughs> all he wants is to he's got a message, and all he, he wants to deliver it to all the leaders of the world. And they're like, "There's no there's no mechanism for that." <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, you have to give it to him one at a time. He's like, "I'm not going to." <laughs> it's like so <laughs> frustrated. Uh, what I have to say is really important. I'm not going to say point blank that this remake has got it wrong, but they're advertising it. They even use the term invasion. Like they even one of the questions they ask him, and he doesn't answer it, is you know, are you going to invade? It makes it makes you wonder if they're afraid that the original story won't sell tickets, and they have to make it scary and crazy. Well, I bet that's exactly what the marketing people are thinking. I mean, what always people- makes me crazy though is why do you think that name matters at all then? Yeah. Why did you even bother to make it that if, well, if you didn't I mean, think that it could sell? That they'll that they'll you know they'll sell it based on you know people thinking it's this Keanu Reeves Earth Invasion movie, and then they get everybody in there, and there's a message. Well, I liked Batman. I, I enjoyed it. Batman I a great deal. I did too. And I I originally thought all the talk of ledger getting an oscar was just because he had died and there is certainly truth to that but after having seen the movie i'm like you know it, it's believable that he could be nominated for this it's yeah, really I, great I, agree. I think if uh you know if he does end up getting nominated i won't be thinking that it's just you know uh, a no honor. i really I think, think that the, the brilliance of this movie is that you you couldn't really take little kids to it I think he's uh, he is scary in this movie. Like the portrayal is very realistic, you know, of these guys, and not realistic in the sense that it could really happen. But what I mean is, they put it on a plane where it feels real. Yeah, it doesn't feel the Joker's comic a book hard at all. Character to pull off in a real world kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. and they really do, do. As a as a maniac, he's he has a super villain, like a, a super one of these 
criminal mastermind mentalities that you need for big big superhero movies but he's also on a very small level on a very personal level he's creepy he's, he's a very crazy guy he's, well, he's a guy you wouldn't want to be in a room with exactly well and one of the things i really liked about it is that what you said exactly is that he was he was a believable villain even though he was the joker because is you know normally like like in the Tim Burton version and all that you know they, there's usually some sort of silly thing like Smilex gas that these guys have that they use as their weapon mm-hmm. and, and you know th- this Joker's weapon was confusion and yeah and you know, he and used knives you know he cut people yeah like, I mean he was scary he was like there wasn't a device that was a metaphor for something scary in real life to tone it down for kids like in I liked the Batman cartoon a lot but. They could never make the Joker scary because you can't scare the kid. So he had like a silly sidekick and all this stuff. And the Joker was one of the least interesting characters in the cartoon because you can't do that to kids. And, you know, the movies were pretty cartoony also. But in this one, they're not, they don't care if the kids can come or not. Like, he's scary. And they do, one thing they did in the Batman movie that really bothered me too, that they don't do in this one is they tried to give you an origin for the Joker. And even in the comic books, there's no clear story. You never know for sure where the Joker's coming from on things. So they kind of do that in this movie pretty well too, where he has all these yeah, contradictory well stories done. about, you know, who he is or where he comes from. And he's like, he really is like an elemental force. They can't figure out who, what his identity is or who he is. You know, he just comes out of nowhere. And he's really not crazy. That's what makes it scary. Well, not crazy in in the sense that he makes you know that he makes that he doesn't make sense about things. He has a certain logic, but he's crazy yeah, but because like, he's irrational. I really think that the part when like the beginning when he's confronting the gangsters and they go, "He's crazy," and he just gets dead serious. He's like, "No, I'm not." This very believable moment because he's 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 not crazy. He's just psychopathic, and you know what I mean. He's He's violent and stuff like that, but he's completely rational. I thought the coolest thing about the movie was the way that how complex all of the storylines were interwoven Mm -hmm. and how he kept outsmarting them over and over and over again. But not because they were being stupid. That's like the Superman thing's a whole different thing. Lex Luthor outwits Superman because it's not that hard. (laughs) But Joker is perfect because they really create him as the anti-Batman. He's every yeah, he know, has all Batman of Batman's has qualities. No superpowers, and neither does the Joker. They're just both really smart, resourceful, tough dudes. You know, they really need to turn Batman loose on Lex Luthor. Exactly, because not only he's smarter than Lex Luthor, and he'll just come beat the crap out of him, <laughs> and that'll be it. Superman can't beat the crap out of Lex Luthor. That's why they should make one of these Superman Batman movies. Because this movie, Superman needs to meet a Batman. Someone needs to set him straight. It's like, stop getting googly-eyed over the girls and get your head in the game, man. Some stuff's going down. <laughs> All right? You know, I got a thing with my girlfriend dating the DA, but when I look the other way, the Joker blows up a hospital, you know? I got to stay in it. <laughs> can't be worried about that kind of crap. Well, so that would be Neither a, can you. That would be a pretty funny scene for a Justice League movie, like, you know, where Lex Luthor's up to something no good and Superman starts monologuing and lecturing him on how he's wrong and Batman just comes up and jacks him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you still talking? (laughs) Kick this guy's ass. (laughs) This movie, Batman, is is something, too. Man, they've got it. I'm really uh, very pleased with this. This could be 
and I thought this about the original Batman movie is like I think these movies, this franchise now is pretty much the standard or what should be the standard for superhero movies and comic book movies where they just take the concept and maybe Batman is is easier to do than other but they never there's never a moment where someone says why does that happen and you just go well because this is a superhero movie you know yeah well i think that not having any superpowers involved makes a big big difference yeah, he's just like James Bond with a mask, like the, the, these elaborate adventures that he goes on, and it's all based on technology that he has at his disposal. They're really good in this, and they're not like, you know, in the old Batman movies where they'd, there'd be ice, and he'd click his heels together, and he'd just have ice skates in his boots or something lame like that. You know, this is like, he sees the situation beforehand and plans what he needs. You know, he develops the technology he needs for the specific thing he wants to do, and then he has all this general stuff with him. But it's all it's all based on the situation. Like, okay, I'm gonna go get you know in a helicopter, and I'm gonna whatever hang glide off the top of a building, and be able to do this. I am glad or, that they, you know. I am glad that they gave us that, that they did give us that one little piece of origin because that's one of the things that's always been lacking in all the Batman stuff. It's like, where does he get all these? devices and stuff well i mean now it's explained and it's explained in a very cool way that he's got yeah this. he's got his own cue yeah like he goes in he really is like man i need all this stuff like i i can't build a plane what am i you know <laughs> but i'm a billionaire come on we got to be able to figure this out and so they do like go a lot more in depth in showing you that that stuff and and i think it really works i'm so pleased with with these movies and i can't wait for the next one to see what they do. Yeah, we've got some uh, debate on this too, I guess. I'm curious as to who they'll involve in the next movie. And I personally have a very strong in- inclination to, to think that I have a strong feeling that it's going to be Catwoman. And I, I I'll have... give you my reasoning behind this. All there, right. there aren't that many Batman supervillains that the average person knows well enough to get be interested in. The first Batman movie didn't use any major supervillains, really, because you didn't have to get people interested in the fact that, well, they wanted to see Batman. Once Batman's introduced, you know, you've got the Scarecrow, which people might have heard of, Ra Ghul, which most people probably haven't heard of. The Ra's second Ghul, one, though, is a major Batman villain. Well, yeah, villain. in He's the comic not right world. Up there I'm with just the saying, penguin. I'm talk, yeah. when I say major, I mean things that, from like the... You mean featured in that, the TV show? Stuff that's that the really average person the that doesn't the old TV read the show. comics would know, would have heard of, is what I'm saying. Catwoman is someone that could be a serious character in a realistic way versus like the Penguin, for example, which I'd find a hard time pulling off in any kind of realistic way. You really could pull off a Catwoman, and I think that that is something that people have heard of. And yeah, it had a bad movie, it had a failed movie, but... So did the Hulk, and they remade that, and every, everyone forgave that. I think if you brought Catwoman in as a serious character and also a love interest for Batman himself, I think that would be a logical next move. That's all I'm saying. What else you got, Riddler? Well, the Riddler is a good side villain because the Riddler can be serious. I could see them bringing in the Riddler, but the I don't Riddler see him is, being a mastermind. Yeah, and he's I don't also, see him following the Joker. You know, He's not the next logical step. I actually could see him being a a a top tier villain if if they rework his character enough. He could if they made him darker and not silly like he's been played in the past by Frank Gorshin and Jim Carrey. 
You know, yeah. if they got a darker, you know, if they took a darker take on him, I think he could definitely be um, but a Riddler villain. Is, maybe not is, surpassing the Joker, but definitely up, right up there with him. Well, Riddler would never surpass Joker, but I'm saying that the Riddler and the Joker are, are kind of similar, though. Yeah, but that that's a reason they might end up using him because they're really trying to stay away from the the over the top ones. Like in the in the comics, Mister Freeze is a pretty cool villain, but you can't in the yeah, context of what they've done out. in these movies, you couldn't pull off a Mister Freeze in that as a guy with a freeze ray. You don't. He think doesn't they work. Pull off Killer Cat Croc, Woman? I don't know, that would work. I you could pull off Catwoman. I'm just not sure if they will. I have this strong intuition, and I could be wrong about both. But I have the strong intuition that the two things that they're going to avoid here are Catwoman and Robin. Now, Robin, I have a feeling of course. that in these movies we are not going to see Catwoman or Robin. Well, I well, hope I and I could be wrong Definitely about Robin. Think, you know, I think that's a shame, though, if they avoid Catwoman because I think she needs to be redeemed. Well, yeah. I think that's true. Catwoman hasn't gotten a good shot on screen so far because even the Michelle Pfeiffer one – who I enjoyed was nothing like the Catwoman of the comics. And then when they did that Halle Berry movie, they just took that arc from Batman Returns and made a whole other movie out of it, but it's the same exact plot, and it's bad as well. But for the same reason, I, I feel like they may shy away from Catwoman. They may feel like that, oh, that's, that's a stain they don't want. That's let's, what I'm asking. That's what that. I'm asking. Who's left? You're, Who? you're the big uh, comic fan here. I can't think well, of any other major comic villains. They want Batman. villains who are grounded in – who are like Batman. So we're not going to have a Mr. Freeze. We're not going to have a Killer Croc, although he's a cool villain as far as like – he's just a big crocodile man and he's scary. <laughs> you know, Clayface, the same way. You don't want them because they're all supernatural villains. They're all – they're superhuman. And in a comic book world, that's fine because superhumans exist in the Batman comic book world. But we haven't quite broached that in the Batman movie world. Who are some good ones that, that fit the bill? Like the Riddler you could do in the context of what they have. I just don't see him being a, a villain villain. I don't know who's left. I really don't. They've even used Ra's al Ghul, which I support. If you don't... I mean, if you, you don't do, one, I guess. Yeah, but you don't want to do that because they're, they're doing all the classics on purpose, which is why I think they might bring back the Riddler. But well, I just don't see where it he's a has top to be. Bill. There's only real, two real possibilities in my mind, and that's Riddler and Catwoman. You could try to bring in the Penguin, and I, I certainly would be curious to see how you'd pull that off. The only realistic interpretation of the villain of the Penguin, though, is as a mob guy, and they've already done mob guys. Batman's destroyed the whole mob. Yeah. Like Joker raises the stakes everywhere. That's why the Riddler, the Riddler would have to get a lot wilder. Well, he could be like an Al Capone kind of mob guy, like a homicidal mob dude, maybe. You could, I'd like to see – I know in the first one? Batman movie, you probably didn't even recognize this character, but they had Josh in the first Batman movie already. Okay, I don't know what you're and talking about. He's like that? a serial killer. And Well, he was in – Crane gets him off in, in the first Batman movie. He's the guy who has all the scars <laughs> cut into his skin. And what's his name? I think they call him Zaz, but it's Josh, something like that. He's got a weird name, but he's a, a a straightforward Batman villain because he's just a serial killer and he kills someone and he cuts a notch in his own skin. Nice. And he's yeah. pretty scary, and they've introduced him and didn't do much with him, and he's actually at large. He's one of the guys who escapes, <laughs> you know? 
Well, what about um, what about Bane? That guy. I mean, they the character that broke Batman's back in the comic book. He series. was never cool. Yeah, but he well, could. Well, I mean, he could a be a character. Generation. Maybe he'd be a secondary character, and you know, maybe in the in the last one they planned on plan on doing or something where they maybe could actually inflict some serious damage on the Batman and he has yeah, to... Yeah, but then he's even less interesting than he was. The only thing that made Bane interesting in the comics is that he tried very hard. He was like a second-rate Ra's al Ghul where he would try to figure out who Batman was and what he was into, and he wouldn't do things to him. The reason Bane did break Batman's back in the comics is because he messes with him f- indirectly forever until Batman is just down to nothing, and then he beats him. Because the first thing that Bane does is something Ra's al Ghul did in the movie, and he did it in the comics, which is you just let everybody in Arkham Asylum loose. <laughs> That's enough work for Batman right there, and you don't have to do a thing. Because then all the crazies go out, and they just cause bedlam in Gotham City. Batman's worn out by the time he's ready to fight you, but Bane just looks like a luchador. He's a ridiculous, like, roided-out weirdo, and he's not that interesting well, visually I'm, I'm or guessing they would story-wise. The look. But then, there, then there's nothing to him at all. Then he's just Ra's al Ghul. Bane's not a good character. You know, they did this happened with Batman and Superman. They when they had their like little fatal storylines where they wanted to kill Superman and break Batman, they invented new villains because they they wanted some you know new blood to do it. And both times they created villains that weren't interesting at all. I think that's the thing. The next thing you got to do is you got to figure out, you know, who's the next interesting psychological. Because you can't do Poison Ivy besides the fact that she's been stupid in, in movies already. She's also supernatural. Man Bat. <laughs> I'm Man Bat. See, yeah, Bat Might. We haven't done Bat Might in a movie I yet. Guess, yeah, Poison Ivy could be realistic, perhaps. If she poisons people, yeah. I could see poison ivy if she doesn't like have a biotoxin kind of person. Yeah, instead of like controlling plants, just a botanist who is you know obsessed. I could actually see poison ivy being. You talk about Catwoman is sort of a love interest thing. Poison ivy is much more interesting in that respect. Too bad. I just don't know. They ruined. I'm not sure if they'll. Well, you know, they touched Two Face, so Schumacher ruined Two Face. That didn't scare them. So the fact that he butchered poison ivy might not bother them either. No, I don't. I, I don't think they're giving any thought to the older movies. And well, I think that's, I that is way, the correct thing because the same thing the, is with uh, the Catwoman movie. I really don't think they'd, they'd give any thought to that. They'd say, "Oh, who cares? That's that's not that's a whole different." Well, then let's look at this because here's I'm not thinking just of that when I say she doesn't work. Where does Catwoman? I mean, honestly, is Catwoman that interesting? I mean, am I am I the jerk? Are we gonna get mail now? I think if <laughs> but you just make her like really, a, Catwoman a, is a cat burglar who used to flirt with Batman. And to my knowledge, in in every version of Catwoman that they've ever revamped her as, she's never been more interesting than that. So yeah, Catwoman's cool because you get to see a hot chick running say, around in a cat suit. I don't suit. think you're appreciating the suit. <laughs> yeah, that's all that I appreciate of Catwoman. Theater. I'm sorry, but. I'm thinking of, and I'm thinking way back. I'm thinking of Catwoman in the old comics. I'm thinking of Catwoman in the new comics. I'm thinking of Catwoman. She's been revamped several times. She's even a hero in comics, you know. But still, well, there's where really, is it? There's nothing left. I'm looking. Well, through a I'm kind of with Wikipedia you, Sean. On it. I mean, I, I don't think Catwoman would be an interesting enough character to carry yeah. a movie. Uh, I, I think, think she's like Batgirl. I think she kind of she's almost too kitschy to me. Mm-hmm. 
they're trying to find the classic Batman villains that are still, you know, contribute to this this almost film noir but, way but of I making really Batman. I really like how movies. they're doing it to where, you know, they're you know, I think they could do it, you know, with with their take on it because they I mean, so far their take on the villains has been great. Uh, the you know, like even this Joker this Joker doesn't have a, a silly backstory. He, you know, he doesn't get dropped in acid or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically what, you know, what seems to be his problem is somewhere along the lines, he, his face got extremely scarred and now he wears this makeup to cover it up. You Which know, is and, actually interesting because that's a nod to the, the original inspiration of, mm-hmm. of the Joker was an old movie called the man who laughs. Mm-hmm. And that's like what that was based on. Like gypsies cut a smile into you kind of thing and i thought that was interesting this is almost like their their homage back to that the the very original idea of the joker well see i mean i think you could do that with you know all the other characters too i think you could probably write write in catwoman but she won't be the the spandex wearing version of catwoman she'd be but i'm not sure there's any depth there to explore the spandex Mm -hmm. is all that catwoman is it's like bane when you take away the luchador outfit you don't have an interesting character (laughs) well then you're left with riddler and that's pretty much it I don't see how you could make any anyone else into a movie. Yeah, because unfortunately, the the, the no brainer of it would have been Joker again. Yeah, and a, a continuation of that, and there's just no way. If even if that had been the original plan, I just don't think there's any way to tastefully do that now. No, no. no. good no. good grief. God help the actor who would end up trying to do that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like with the Jack Nicholson thing. There's room for the Joker to return to the Batman films at some point in a different interpretation but as far as this one you know he locked it up the joker is done on these movies because there's if you can't have him back then you don't have the joker i really think they're going to use the riddler in some fashion i just don't know if they're going to make him the main guy i actually think if you did the riddler right you could because the concept of the riddler challenging batman see the joker challenges batman's morality Batman represents this idea that you have to go above the law, but there are still rules. The Joker is sort of offended by this on a fundamental level because he's like, if you know, if you're going to do that, then you then you must admit that the world has no rules. And that's the difference between the two of them. Batman believes there are rules. He just doesn't believe that we've written down all the right ones yet. And Joker thinks that if you can't abide by the law of the land, then you have to admit that law as an idea is a sham. And that's where they challenge each other. The Riddler challenges Batman intellectually, purely. Batman, and that's something we haven't touched on on these movies at all, is Batman is the great detective. And the Riddler is the one who challenges him as the great detective. Because it's not, you know, what a badass he is, and it's not his mortal, his moral fortitude that's, that's in question. It's just how smart are you? How smart are you? I'm going to go do something, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to go do. Can you figure it out before I do it? Because <laughs> I already told you what it is. The Riddler is pathological. He has to leave clues. you know. So there's a certain insanity to all that. It'd be a real interesting story. I thought uh, one of the things that's just kind of a random and not important scene, but was kind of creepy, adding to the Jokers, when he does get arrested, and they're just explaining, like, he has no fingerprints, no blah, blah, blah. All of his clothes are custom made with no labels. I was like, "Good lord!" It's like he comes into existence <laughs> out of nothing, purely to to stop Batman. Like, where, like where he's he Batman's demon. Life? He just appears. It's like and, and he appears as a response. Yeah, as a response to Batman. 
the Joker came into being. And that's you know it's hard. That's a tough act to follow. That's, yeah, that's hard to creepy. top. That's why they had to do the Joker. That's I really have a strong feeling that it's going to be the Riddler. It could be somebody else also. You know, there there's still that that thing. You know, every movie so far has two villains. Like they're still following that. They do it better and they wor- work it in the story better. But you still have two major villains in every movie. Yeah. That's so. Great. So I think we're going to see the Riddler and maybe somebody else. I just don't see who. Let us know if you guys are out there and you have a, a clue on this. To write us or what you'd uh, like to. I didn't realize we were going to do a Batman episode. <laughs> I think it's turned out to be a good one, though. I think. On Yahoo, the front page right now says, Is Dark Knight too dark? I think not. I think it's good because I don't see the point in patronizing children. I think an older kid could see it. Yeah, I know some kids right now that couldn't see it. But, you know, Batman as a character really doesn't fit with real, real young kids anyway. I don't think the idea of vigilante is probably this not a... article that I'm looking at now calls this version of Batman an alternative view. Alternative, an alternative to what? To what? Well, it says this, this film is vastly more true to Frank Miller's famous alternative view of the Batman than to the Zap Pal camp of Adam West TV portrayal and sanitized DC comics that filled our childhood. Yeah, but you know, your childhood, lady, not my childhood. <laughs> Dark Knight Returns was part of my childhood. That's there, what I hate about that. I said lady, like it must have been a woman that wrote that. It's a guy named Dave Rogers. Whatever, lady. <laughs> Dave's a weird name for a lady, ma'am. But, but what I the, we've been this is what we're talking about the Tim Burton Batman versus where we are now. You know, when Tim Burton made that Batman, it was a revolution because people thought the Zap Pal Batman was the only Batman back then. And even now, you know, to make the to make the statement that there's only somehow it's only one or the other, like it's either the old Batman. TV show or the Dark Knight Returns. You know, the Batman of the comics for the last 30 years has been a, a pretty solid middle ground of, of more realistic storytelling and not quite so dark. Even this Dark Knight movie is not nearly as dark as the Dark Knight Returns was. It's not nearly as cheesy either. Somehow that book captured both. It's still annoying to me that there are still people out there that are acting like that old Batman TV show is somehow a valid or the definitive incarnation. Yeah. yeah. Or the original when you said, this isn't the Batman of, of my kids. Like, how old are you? Are you 70? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm 35. And the Zat Pal Batman was long gone when I was reading comics as a kid. So I don't know who's still writing these things. It's people who either... Your finger is as far from the pulse as it could be, or you just don't know what you're talking about. I think it's more along the lines that this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about. Because this yeah, is that part of... Zap Pal. Even EW, when they're talking about the blockbuster, they're like, holy blockbuster, Batman. It's like, really? Really? That's relevant? <laughs> I haven't even seen the Batman TV show in syndication in almost 20 years. Yeah, it's true. I, I, don't, I haven't seen it since I was a kid on TV. Do they still show it somewhere? Not to my knowledge, unless it's on like TV Land or something. It's probably it's probably like on one of those, but it's not something you're just seeing for no reason. I know that kind of stuff frustrates me as as a person who sometimes makes unequivocal statements without any without any foreknowledge. 
I have a per- I'm annoyed by people who do that. If it weren't for Dark Knight Returns, we wouldn't be seeing this kind of stuff. And if it weren't for Tim Burton, Tim Burton created a bridge between that that Batman, that Adam West Batman, and what we're seeing here. Because Perhaps. he made a Batman that people could recognize as being serious at all. That was dark for the time. Well, know, well, as, yeah. as it turns out, that's the way it is. I mean, back yeah, back at the time, everybody was talking about how dark that was. But now you're right, though. It has now that you know we evolved into this Batman. Uh, it you know the Tim Burton Batman Batman movies do look like you know kind of amalgams of the of the campy versus versus the yeah very dark. And of course, what and actually, they, that series? It, it actually ended up being that way because when Joel Schumacher took it over. You know, he started going back toward that camp. Well, because Joel Schumacher is 100, and when he got a hold of that franchise, he's thinking, well, I'm going to do the Batman I remember. Like back when we were riding dinosaurs, you know, <laughs> before we discovered all the planets, you know? And it's kind of frustrating. I think we're, this renaissance is actually coming from the fact that the people who are, and we've said this before, I guess, but it's really coming from the fact that the people who are making these movies now read the same comics we read they don't remember that campy they weren't part of the golden age of comics either they remember you know they were growing up post spider-man post x-men you know when superheroes had to be a little bit more realistic and then became a little bit darker and then just plain more sophisticated yeah and I that think sophisticated storytelling is the right term because people say that and it sounds Sounds depressing bad. and bad. Because we actually use that as a pejorative on this show sometimes. Realistic or, de- or sophisticated is a good way of putting it. Because it it's not he's not necessarily darker. The original Batman even he was beating up people and stuff. Even the campiest yeah. Batman's beating up people. It's just a campy portrayal of it, but I think he is in the case of Batman, he he's darker than we've seen. I don't think other superheroes really have that as much. Even yeah, Spider-Man has, 3, uh, where he was like fighting his dark persona, it was cheeky and fun. It wasn't it's, serious. When you say darker, though, you know, he's not doing anything morally darker than than the Tim Burton Batman or any of that. He, he throws a guy off a building. Strong. That's pretty severe. That's pretty hardcore. He does what? When you, you threw a guy off a building. I guess that's true. That's hard. <laughs> but, that, that, that's that, pretty cool. But he didn't kill the guy or anything, and that guy had it coming. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you don't you're not gonna see that in even in the Tim Burton one. Perhaps. But I guess so. and I think what also it you 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 said it yourself, but I think that really touches on it. It's not what he does, it's the that they recognize it in the portrayal. Like if Batman is beating guys up and it's just like Zap Pal like they say in in that, then the context is different because it's cartoony. But if he's beating people up and you get to see that, you know, they got a concussion afterwards or something, you know, you see consequences. It's it's setting a whole different tone and it does become darker even though it's the same action. And I support that because I think I that's what I like to think of in movies as positive violence. Because we were talking about that. I, one of the things Lynn was talking about was Wolf Creek, how they – Wolf. I don't know if you've heard of this movie. but it's, uh, Yeah, it's I saw pretty, it. It's pretty stupid. Yeah. But – it's one of those, you know, really hardcore, apparently gory movies or whatever torture I didn't movies. Think it was that I didn't hardcore. even think it was that hardcore yeah, compared so. to other dumb movies. But apparently, you know, 
people aren't even reviewing it in Australia because it's so violent. But that shows that Australians have better taste than Americans do. <laughs> this this may well be so, because the Americans. Like, That's were, not so of gross. Course, I'll show who you chimed gross. in? On, yeah, I know it's it, he's he's my guy right now to bring up. But you know, who chimed in on Wolf Creek? Tarantino. Oh really? Tarantino got a quote on that. Yeah, he's our latest celebrity blurb whore. <laughs> because he's like the new Stephen King. Every time something comes around, he got to come around and tell you, yeah, I watched this. I thought it was good. It's like, we know you like crappy movies. I We've thought Wolf Death Creek Proof. was all right up until the end, and then it, it did I, something unforgivable. I hated it because they are all stupid in it. In fact, it goes really well because when, she, when he first gets her, almost the very first thing she does is get the drop on him and get the gun and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, well, after this, you deserve to die. Because how can how could we give you a better handicap than that? Like you got him, you got the gun, you got everything. Like pop, pop, movie over. I don't understand. Maybe that's an Australian thing too, but Americans don't cotton to that kind of crap. I don't even think those characters were the characters Australian. I thought they were in Australia, but they were from England or something. I, I can't. Something remember. like that. I don't remember. I only remember well, the main jump guy. You for that. They're all Australian. I don't believe I said that the characters were Australian. I was just saying that the movie was. <laughs> At any rate, yeah. In America, we take care of business. When I say dark, psychos. I still don't think dark's the right word, though. I think realistic is the right word because it's the the violence isn't. When I think dark, I think something like hostile or something where the violence is kind of celebrated. And this is just more realistic portrayal of it. I think it's in a way though dark sort of refers to the the level of melodrama i think this batman has some melodrama in it like when i think of dark i think the battlestar galactica series now is dark because they're all you know gritty hardcore i'll shoot your fracking head off with your mother fracker or whatever it's like you're not selling it very well <laughs> love saying that i think yeah that's like you're a cock duty face like it's hard for me to believe that these guys are hardcore when they're saying all these made-up words but what I was getting to in the Wolf Creek thing is Wolf Creek is a, I think that's a representation of the sort of the negative violence. Cause I really am a big fan of very violent movies, especially like horror movies, because back in the days of Freddy and Jason and all that, you know, the violence could go both ways. When you took out Freddy, it was a big, bloody, awful mess, but there was a moral pretext there, you know, when you have these torture movies, all the violence is 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 put purely on the victims, and and it's intended to victimize people. They're movies about victimization, so there is no there's no real moral story there being being played out. There is no good versus evil. I think you know when you have Batman out there and he punches a guy and the guy's teeth come out, it's good that you show that violence has that consequence. But at the same time, I think it's positive. Because you're also showing that if you're a bad guy, you're just as likely to get your teeth knocked out as a good guy, you know, because that's the cycle of violence. But when people start throwing punches and it's all zap, pow, or it's all a big cartoon, then there's no consequence to it and there's no moral pretext to it. It's, it's just there. And that, to me, is the most dangerous kind of violence. I think violence that isn't portrayed with any consequences is just as dangerous as violence that has too great a consequence, like in the torture movies. But I think positive violence is where you see the give and take. 
I love it in a movie where, you know, a bad guy gets his head caved in with a two by four. Because that's a message to bad guys. They watch movies too. <laughs> they watch a lot of movies, I think. That's a cautionary tale to them. Don't yeah. Do so when all the movies head knocked off with a two by four. Well, I think too, yeah. When all the tone of all movies is that when you're a cowardly creep who comes upon people, ties them up and throws them in a basement, that you're in full control of them and they're utter victims. Then I think that's the terrible message. But when you show like these guys go, the only good thing about Death Proof is when it finally starts an hour and twenty minutes into it, they go after him and and just completely destroy him. And that's gratifying, but that, I don't know. We shouldn't have had to sit through the rest of that movie to see that. Yeah, they could have definitely cut out a lot of that, no doubt. I cut it. Well, they couldn't have just cut it out. They would have had to replace it with something, because if they cut out all the bad parts, the movie would have been ten minutes long. Man, Greg, do you have Star Trek The Next Generation on right now? No, I'm still watching this Batman tech show. Why? Okay, never mind. Forget it. I can turn it. Wine, what's it's up? A, it's a sidetrack. I'm just trying to figure out what the hell I'm watching. Hang on. It's like Worf's son and, and Troy's mom are in a mud bath with a bunch of Cirque du Soleil looking weirdos. <laughs> like, this is, this is one of the most touchy-feely episodes. I don't I remember this episode at all, but it's creeping me out well, just to see it know, on this new. This is like, you know, Deanna Troy's mom like, takes uh, Worf's son under her wing and... Teaches him how to be a kid. I didn't like even know Warf had know a son. how to be a kid because he's a total puss anyway. <laughs> well, this ain't going to help him. Yeah. <laughs> this mud bath's not going to do the trick. Well, you get the Troy there in the mud bath. Now, now we're talking. Yeah, but no, it's Troy's mom. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> yeah, sorry, folks. That's a nice yeah, tease sometimes for next week. I like episode. to break things up and like, <laughs> stream of consciousness. Sometimes I like to just tell tell you what's on my mind at this exact moment. That's a good tease for next week's episode, where we will be discussing how to survive an episode of Star Trek. Oh, you were really teasing. I didn't even know. I was waiting for the joke on that one. No. no. <laughs> So That's, we are going to do one then. Oh, sort of, yeah, a Star Trek survival. No, I think I, I absolutely think I can't believe we didn't think of this on our own. Like it sounds like we're totally cut out for this. Uh, all right. Well, I think we've uh, you know we've we've done it this, for this week. So uh, I think uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've tapped it. World, thank you. <laughs> thank you for for your patience and thank you for your comments. All right then. So email us. Check out our MySpace. We're, we're myspace.com slash TV8MyDinner. I would like, you know, that we do get some comments from people. I'd like to get some stuff on the MySpace yeah. to help me keep it up to date. Send us a friend request. We would like we would like our MySpace friends. I know it's not cool with the kids anymore, but I'm not doing Facebook. I'm not. I'm tired of all these, these trends. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. Every week you have to move all your stuff to some new site because that's the cool one now. Or you could email us. What's the best email? Lynn had said that she was having trouble with the feedback at TV okay. Ate My Dinner. Well, feedback at TV Ate My Dinner actually redirects to TV Ate My Dinner at gmail.com. So if for whatever reason feedback at TV Ate My Dinner doesn't work, you can go directly to tv my dinner at gmail.com. If you go to the tv my com site and click on the email link, that's what it'll point to, to, to the Gmail one. So 
So I guess for simplicity's sake, tvatemydinner at gmail.com works. It just doesn't sound as fancy. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to go see Hellboy World. So if you get a chance, go see that too. Yeah, I'm going to try support, to. I'm going to try to see that. Support this the Hellboy. He's he's the underdog. He's the dark horse. And I would love <laughs> support for Hellboy. He those. needs it. So <laughs> he's ugly. He can't help it. There's something about Hellboy that does appeal to me on that level. Yeah, I think he's the hero. Well, he's very like it's that. a charming character. And then we'll do our delve into our Star Trek nerdum. I'm going to be the sheep out of water. Sheep out of water. That doesn't even sheep make any sense. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite phrase ever now. Well, that'll be me because I'm not the big Star Trek buff. That'll be fine. Well, then that leaves it up to you and me, Greg. We'll have to come up with the gold. Uh, I will help him out. Well, you know, in case he ever gets zapped into a Star Trek movie, he'll, you know, where he can survive. Yeah, really. Obviously, you know, we're going to get to get deeper than the red shirt rule. But yeah, that's we'll, the one we'll I know. So you're going to have to go deeper in it. If I know well, yeah, it, everybody it's, knows it's that one. Knowledge. Don't ever yeah, wear a red common, shirt of any kind. common sense. Yeah, but, Man, I'm actually yeah. wearing a red shirt right now. God. Well, see. I, I might mean, not see, make it to next week. See, man, you don't know oh, your ass Lord, from home yeah. ground in Star Trek world. I'll tell you right now, Brooks, avoid space. <laughs> do not beam <laughs> down to the planet. Don't Until do you do laundry. Stay away from space. <laughs> and green-skinned women. At all costs. Yeah, which is the harder sell. Because if there were, man, I'd, I would redshirt it like crazy if that if there were real <laughs> green women in real life. Sean's got like, a weird over fetish here, for green-skinned women. I, I don't know. I don't know. Man, something about those green-skinned women on Star Trek. And I'm not the only one, man. You can Google it, <laughs> and there'll just be people well, who've taken pictures. There's all kinds of weirdos on the internet there's, that are into weird things. That really, doesn't make it okay. All, all the nerd fetishes are represented on, on the internet. But I'm hearing, and I'm pretty sure I said this, but maybe I should just bring it up. This girl on P2, Rachel Nichols, who I said I like so much, I'm pretty sure that I heard that she is actually going to play an Orion slave girl in the new Star Trek movie. Awesome. Oh, my goodness. Aren't and you like, so And that thrilled, to me man. is like, yeah, that just says to me they got their finger right on the pulse. It's like, how did you know? How did you know to make the movie that I've been waiting for? <laughs> it doesn't even have to be about anything else. One real quick aside before we duck out. Did you also see the Terminator trailer? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, and I, I'm excited about, about the concept bit. of it. We'll see when this we might see be the best way to go. A Terminator now that Arnold does isn't requisite, and a Terminator now that they're admitting the end of the world is here, which doesn't violate the continuity of the first Terminator. Right. And you've got Christian Bale, which can't hurt at all. Yeah, and, and which makes me so. think it'll be good, not just because he's good, but because he seems to have taste when he he's choosing things. Yeah, he's good in stuff. You know, like he, I, I would also say too that, that we've gotten to that. Taste. It's it's another one of those franchises that has now it's sort of like the Star Trek thing, you know, how they're re, they're bringing back Kirk and Spock with different actors. It's been long enough that that's okay. And I feel like we've gotten there with Terminator 2. Term, the Terminator franchise, we're far enough down the road that it's okay to to reimagine Terminator with different actors, you know, that it doesn't have to be Arnold. Well, I'm looking forward to that because that's something that we've we've said we actually want to see this particular story made into the sequel so so maybe someone is listening maybe they're just tropic thunder man oh yeah (laughs) tropic thunder just looks funny i'm all about that i don't i don't often go to the movies to the theater to see comedies so that's a good sign right there unrated trailer it'll sell you 
<laughs> Just because the theme song don't mean it ain't true. <laughs> well, it's really him too. Every time you see a scene, you're like, I want to see that. It's all the his scenes. He sells you on the poster. Like when you see his face on the poster, <laughs> you're like, well, I've got to see this. Robert Downey Jr.'s. This is his. This is his summer. All right, y'all. Well, let's 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 back on out. Let's ease on down the road. As they would say in the woods. <laughs> yeah, let's move. Let's move on up. Let's move on up to the sky. To a deluxe to apartment. To a deluxe apartment. Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah, I said it wrong, didn't I? Went on up. To the east side. To the east side. To a deluxe apartment in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> beans don't burn on the grill. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> All right. That's as good a place as any. TV8MyDinner.com. Check it out. My name's Brooks. I'm Sean. And I'm Greg. Next week, Star Trek. Surviving Star Trek. And stuff. <laughs>